Greetings and welcome to episode six of The Harsh Show. This week's guest is Carol Ann Falk. When I try to recall meeting Carol Ann, it's difficult for me. Nearly a decade ago, we met while she dated a friend of mine. However, I don't remember the time or place of this introduction. These days, it feels like we've always known each other. She's always been supportive of my pursuits and a pleasure to be around. We don't hang like we used to, but the love remains. And though we haven't spoken in years, this interview felt like we were picking up right where we left off. In this episode, Caroline and I discuss fashion, modern art, and marriage. Caroline also shares a few of her wildest stories from her first tour in Europe. Thanks again for listening. Please enjoy episode six. Can you hear me? Yes. Yay! What are your songs about? Do you have a pet sort of themes that you repeat? Well, the pet theme really is, uh, you know, why worry? I mean, I mean, you can be pretty happy if you put your mind to it. You are the first person I've interviewed that is married, and it'd be oh, interesting wow. to get your perspective on that. Um, marriage is good. I, I've always kind of had a, I don't know, maybe different perspective than others on marriage. It's not something I always really valued or put a lot of, you know, focus on in the future. Like, oh, one day I'm going to be married, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have this big wedding, and it was just not something I really thought about um, because relationships for me before Ray were complicated. And that was part, that's part of the self-evaluation aspect of it, where it was like, you know, I was always trying to find myself in a relationship and it was kind of used as a way to get out of my personal problems and my personal life and things I was dealing with. So marriage was not something I was really like focused on in the, I gosh, the dreamy aspect of it, I guess. Yeah. It's more like, okay, this is going to happen one day, probably. Um, but marriage is really good. I mean, it's, it's just like a friendship only deeper, like on a more vulnerable level where you have this person seeing you in all aspects of your life. I mean, the nitty gritty, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, you know, you, you, you kind of have to expose yourself and that's also like really scary for some people is yeah. because this person could you know, be everything one day and then be gone the next, I guess. So it's a risk that we both were willing to take in a way to be like, okay, I'm going to give everything to you. Or, you know, I'm going to be completely vulnerable to you. I mean, I, when I met Ray, I said, these are all my truths. I said, yeah. this is who I am. You can take it or leave it. 
you know, this is all that I've been through in my life. And thankfully he was like, okay, yeah, I'm into that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really good. You get to explore everything with your best friend. Um, I'm very lucky to have found him. You know, it's not always been easy. I think the same thing with any friendship, nothing's ever perfect. No. You know, you fight with your friends, you fight with yourself. Um, but I mean, there is a line, like if you're, if you're in a marriage and things are just not, if you're not happy, then that's probably not for the best, but I'm very thankful. It's always been very pleasant. And, um, even through challenges, you know, you sit down, you have a conversation and say, you know, this is where I am. Where are you? How can we get back onto the same, you know, highway together? Right. Um, but it's been really great and we'll be celebrating two years this year. Congratulations. Thank you. You've, you and Ray were together how many years before you were married? Gosh, we started dating 2013, 14. And we got engaged. We were, we got married in 2019 and we were engaged for almost two years before that. My brain's a little mushy. It's fine. So we were together four years before we got engaged. Gosh, he's going to listen to this and be like, Um, well, I didn't mean to get down to the exact. (laughs) No, you're fine. No, you're fine. I was just, we were together a while before we got engaged and we, we had had a conversation. I mean, it was longer than two. It was longer than a year. It was, I think it was four years we were together and we had met like a year prior before we started dating, um, actually at Wittenberg University mm-hmm. when I was seeing our friend Joshua Hayes. Right. Shout out to Josh. He's still one of my friends. Um, and it was like so spontaneous how we reunited a year later. I was had chosen to re-enter this. I don't even. I don't think we would even call it a relationship. But I had I had seen this guy for a short period of time. Um, and he was not that great of a person. He was dealing with his own things and I had chosen to end it with him. And I was like, I need to get out of here. Like I need to leave. He was threatening to come into my door. You know, I went to Catholic university. I was like, I need to get out of here. I need to leave. And I was alone. My roommate was not there that weekend. I was getting out of there. And I happened to have called Nick Matthew, our friend Nick Matthew, and I said, um, can I come to OU? Like, I need to be like, this is what's happening. And he's like, yeah, of course. And it just so happened that somebody, Alec Ball, who I don't really know that well, yeah, he happened to be driving through Columbus to Ohio University. And um, he offered to pick me up. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really know you, but I, I definitely need to leave. Yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen. And it just so happened that I had seen Ray that day. And I was like, this is so bizarre. And he wasn't planning on being there. I didn't know who was going to be there. You know, you know, it was just, I didn't know that it was um, Palmer Fest the next day. Like I, oh I literally goodness. like within hours, I was like, I need to get out of here. Let's go. I didn't have like any clothes. Like Nick Matthew loaned me these clothes. Everything was like way too big, you know? And I was three sheets to the wind, you know, the next day because it was party all day on Palmer Fest. Yeah, and Palmer Fest, big time. Ray showed up and we were like, hi, like, Dean is along. And it just kind of rolled from there, it was, you know. 
it was still, it was rocky that first year because I was going through my own personal things. And, um, but he had seen the, the rawest, realest, you know, me at my worst, that's yeah. for sure. And I said, if this guy is going to stick around after this, I don't, I don't know. He's going to be in for it. And he did. He stuck around and taught me a lot about myself to relax and calm down. Yeah. <laughs> He's a very mellow person. Thing. Was the marriage license just kind of like a symbolic thing? Or did you feel like any type of difference afterwards? Did you feel like a more, did you feel like any more connected or did you feel more secure or did you feel like you were entering this new phase of life or was it just like, feels like last week, but now we're married? Um, I think because of the weight that society puts behind being married, there was kind of a shift to be like, okay, like now this is solidified. But I don't think we necessarily needed that. Like, I, I don't think that, you know, we were like, okay, we have to make this official now. But also our parents were like, okay, we can get married. You know, we we're both the oldest in our families. And we were kind of like, let's go to the courthouse. Like, let's, let's have this cool, you know, chic little thing. And our parents were like, like, <laughs> like Come let's on, have no. flowers. And, yeah, and so we the told them that it's like, you know? The first baby like, oh, come right. on. We've been waiting. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yes and no. Like, yes, it was a new stage for us and, like, things felt more secure. I think maybe more so for Ray because not that, like, he needed to lock me down or anything because we had been together for so long, but I was, I was definitely more venturous in relationships and always trying to make connections with people, whether they be like romantic or just friendship. And maybe it was maybe for him, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to speak for him, but it was like kind of like securing things yeah. and being like, okay, Carolyn's like going to just chill back. And, you know, again, not that I was going to run away or anything, but right. um, it was maybe just a, a signature, you know, to, co- to make him feel comfortable. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I was already like, yeah, it was, you know, work together forever kind of thing. Um, but we did end up having, you know, a, a, I was going to say big wedding, but we had a wedding and we told our parents, we said, you know, if, if we're going to do this, like we're going to pay for it and we're going to pick all the things like that we want. And we did. My, my parents didn't end up paying for the photographer and Ray's parents paid for the flowers, but everything else we paid for um, because we just, we wanted it our way or, you know, we didn't want, people to really put their voice in, you know, if, because we didn't want anything to, we didn't want to look back on it and be like, wow, that's weird. Yeah. Um, which we still do. I think like, <laughs> you know, you're different people, even two yeah. years later, you're like, Oh maybe we should have had it outside in the field or, you know, we did talk about that. Like maybe in 10 years, we'll renew our vows and have like a bohemian, you know, fire festival or something out there. Oh, that sounds like bonfire, a big bonfire kind of thing. You know, we've always kind of been that type of people, but we did definitely make it the way we wanted it, wanted it to happen. And Ray wore his favorite green hat that, you know, he can't, you know, live a day without and ended up matching perfectly. And it it was such a fun, but also exhausting day. But, um, so to go back to your question, yes and no, it was definitely solidifying a new stage in life. 
and there was like a new level of security. Um, but I don't think it really changed our mindset about where we were in our relationship. Sure. I, uh, I saw those photos from the wedding or at least from, uh, I don't know if you had like a photo session before then, but I, I was a fan of the, I'm not going to call it a theme because that sounds kind of corny, but like the, the aesthetic <laughs> is of the whole thing. I, I thought that was, uh, and it fit both of you so well. It's like, that's definitely a Ray and Caroline oh wedding right there. That's, wow, that's perfect. Uh, I, um, uh, I always, I've seen you as a person that has a defined, uh, style like when it comes to your wardrobe and I wanted to know how you would define it. Oh my gosh. You know, I have, you're the, I think you're the first person that's ever said that to me. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would say that I have a sense of style, but I, you know, you also see yourself differently. And I, I think my style is also kind of chaotic. Like sometimes I feel like dressing super crazy. I mean, everybody knows I'm, I'm eclectic in a, in a, in a way. So I guess I need to take back what I said. People have said I'm eclectic <laughs> with my style, but yeah, I guess I've never, I've never seen it. Like a, I've never heard somebody say it concise. I guess you say it. So it, that really kind of like, oh, um, gosh, my style. I don't know. I, I think I, <laughs> I have a lot of my mom's old clothes, and in a way, I think I've always tried to emulate her like maybe you know late 90s early 2000s kind of mom chill look but i've also have a part of me that's kind of like uh, dancing with wolves kind of like oh i'm just gonna wear these linen colors and feel free and i don't know if that's not makes any sense but um yeah I, i also like stripes and trying to be really kind of chic and linear and business casual but i like to have a flair so like i mean i they can't you know these people whoever's gonna look to this they can't see what i'm wearing but i'm wearing like you know a plain blue sweater but I, you know i have my you know funky like clear cat eye glasses on um so i like to have a little creative edge i guess with my style and I like i think that's definitely evolved over the years really well, I guess yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you can, I don't think anybody's dressing exactly this. I'm just going to stop right there. I feel like there are some people I know that I really, know some people. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, but nothing wrong with that. But nothing I, wrong with that, but uh, no. yeah, some people just take, but the, I think like in, go ahead. Some people just take it, the, their outfit is just more, uh, I'm not gonna say important, but like more connected to them than others. Like there's people, I'm, I'm a big music person, as you know, and I, and I've come to peace knowing that some people just listen to music just kind of as like sounds. Like I want some, something in the background that kind of sounds a certain way, depending on the mood. And I don't really care who the artist is. I don't know any of the lyrics and it's the same with fashion. Some people are just like, I, if it's, society says I need to be clothed when I go outside. So I got this stuff. It was on sale and that's, that's it. Um, but then there are other people that like yourself that I feel like 
their clothing connects with their personality and who they are a little bit more. They, t- they take it a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm, seriously, but, you know, it means more. I think I definitely focused on expressing myself through my clothing in college more maybe than I do now because we're kind of in the, I don't want to say grind because that sounds weird, but you know, I go to work and I come home you yeah. know, and you don't really go out anymore this past year. So like, I don't really buy outfits for things except I, you know, when I did have my birthday recently, we had a, a very small gathering with our in bubble and it was a pajama party with uh-huh. me and my, you know, four friends. And I did buy like a you know a pajama set specifically for it because I wanted to you know feel you know fun and fresh but and kind of connect to you know our college days when we did buy outfits for specific things we did go out on the weekends and made sure everything was matchy matchy or you know you had the shoes that matched you know maybe your earrings or curl your hair I think I definitely focused more on my style representing me in college and now it's like what looks presentable for work but it's still me. But I'm not, you know, putting so much time into, like, I don't know, making sure to say, like, this is Carolyn and this is mm-hmm. how I want people to see me. Um, in college, I think, or no, in high school, excuse me, you know, I dress kind of how other people were, you know, you, you kind of followed the group where you're like, what's trending right now? And, mm-hmm. You know, my style was everywhere. I, you know, in middle school, I, I was, Oh my gosh, I was such a tomboy and wore like t-shirts over top of long sleeve shirts. And I had flare jeans with work boots. I wore work boots. So it was like, what was I even thinking? And pony, you know, slick ponytail, like so like tight. Um, I'm sure that people are like, what is with this person? Um, And then high school was like, what's, you know, fashionable. And you're wearing kind of, you know, luckily I never was into the polo scene, but like, I definitely wore like the ringer t-shirts that had the stripes around the neck and the mm-hmm. arms. And, um, I had like a off-brand crack that was kind of the thing, um, white crack and the side zipper, uh, sweatpants, oh, you yeah. know, I was just trying to like keep up with the trends and then college hit. And I was like, I'm going to be somebody new, um, and I cut off of my hair and I dyed it red and I was just being so funky with my style and gold jewelry and um, really trying to be artsy fartsy with the big scarves, and, yeah. you know, the, the baseball tees and um, yeah, man, my style definitely evolved, but I guess I do have to accept that every stage of my style was me you know i was making the choices to dress that way so yeah but now i would say myself uh, a range of uh chic to funky to you know gosh i don't want to say bohemian but you know i do have four pairs of overalls in my closet right now so i don't know like what that farmer (laughs) farmer (laughs) chic i don't know (laughs) That's a spring oh for the Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have a surprise for you. You have a surprise for me? I do have a oh surprise my God. for you. With each of these interviews, I invite a special guest to ask a question. Okay. For you. And you get a 
your situation is actually extra special because the person who I asked submitted two videos and I'm going to be sending to those to you right now. Oh my gosh. Hey, Carolyn. My question for you is what moment in your life would you make into a short film and who would you cast as the actors? Katie. Uh, Katie is my, one of my quote, like, I'm going to start crying. I don't know why. I've had an emotional week and Katie's like, my God said, like, seriously, she's one of my closest, like, she's like my, like, she's like my soulmate. Like, it's, oh my God. I love her so much. Okay. Let me pull myself together here. Okay. Which moment in my life would I be into a movie? Oh, she probably knows exactly what I'm going to say too, but Katie and I went on a um, trip to Europe together. We spent, we went to nine cities in six weeks. We were gone and we started out in um, Ireland and we ended up back in the same area well, in Newcastle, England. But we had a really crazy, gosh, I don't maybe I'll talk about Newcastle. Um, Ray, if you listen to this, I'm sorry, but I have to say he knows about this experience. But so I will, let me give some context to this. So during this trip, which we took in 2000, this is the summer of 2014, um, Ray and I decided that we were going to break up. This was just for a summer. And he was thinking about moving to Oregon with Joe. And I, I was going through a lot of things. My parents, um, unfortunately were losing my childhood home. And there was just so much going on that, that I felt like I couldn't be in a relationship. And Ray was like, you know, he was kind of thinking like, what, what does his future look like? Like, does it, you know, does it look like it's going to be here in Ohio? And, you know, I started school to finish and, I, you know, there was no way I could go to, or you know, go to Oregon then. And, you know, I, you know, I would have loved to go to the Pacific Northwest, but anyway, so I went to Europe with Katie and I was single. And of course, you know, as an adventurous person that I am, you know, you want to live it up and you want to meet people and experience different things. And especially, you know, meeting men and, um, sorry, but so we were in Newcastle and it, I don't know if you know anything about Newcastle, but, um, there is a show called the only way is Essex and in Essex, England, which I don't know if that's anywhere. I'm probably wrong. If anybody knows a lot about the geography of England, I'm probably way off, but it's very similar. Newcastle is very similar to Essex in the way where it's a party scene. People go there to party. And we, they had all these clubs. I mean, it's nothing like the Columbus club scene out. It is like you walk into a club and it is like so themed to the point where you're, you feel like you're being transported. Well, we went to this club and it was called Sinners. And it was like, it looked kind of like, um, oh my gosh. It was dark and smelled like sweat in there. It was so dark and red lights and there was iron bird cages in there that you could dance in. Ooh. Yeah, it was very, very, you know, out there. And she had a friend that we met there named Will. 
and he wanted to give us like the full experience and so he's buying us all these drinks and you know we're like slowly getting into the mood and whatever and partying and i look over and i see this guy walk in with this you know the crew and i would call them like maybe and this is probably not appropriate but they were like english guidos kind of like they you know had the spiked up hair and very like, you know, clean cut, slick leather jackets, but they had like a head guy. Um, and he had, it was so hot in there. Okay. So we're wearing, you know, I'm wearing like a leotard with like a mini skirt and sweating. And this guy's wearing a puff jacket, like a really nice puff jacket with a giant fur hood on it. And I'm like, like, who does this guy think he is? And he was very, like model, you know, model looking like you came in with very like a blue steel look on his face. And I was just like, I'm going to dance like that. We're going to, I'm going to like start, you know, yeah. I, you know, I matching him across the room. Like we're going to make this happen. I told him, I said, I'm going to like, I'm going to dance with that guy. I'm like, you know, we're going to hang out. Tonight. And she's like, yeah. Okay. I was like, no. And cause it's packed in there. Like, it's like, we're sardines in this place. And so we actually started like, I matching each other. I'm like, okay. And then we like meet up in the middle of the dance floor. So we're like dancing and all this stuff and right or, um katie and i get inside the iron bird cage and like oh. we're dancing there. we have pictures in there yeah it's like wow well, anyway let me get to the point of the whole story i would the part i would make into a short film was we go to this club this next club completely different vibe in the center this place was massive it was called digital and it was techno rave music in here and there's all these levels of boxes that you can dance get on top of and dance and different floors and somehow we lose katie and will like they're i have oh. no idea where they are and it's like gosh one in the morning two in the morning whatever and i black out and all of a sudden i come to and i'm dancing on this giant podium and um the guy's name was Ahmed, and he also was like semi-royalty or something like his dad was like high up in uh dubai he was like part Dubai and English and um, very nice. And we're dancing on this podium and it's like slow motion. Like the strobes are hitting and it's like, wah, wah, wah. and I'm like, what is going on? And I, and I just like come to, and I'm, I'm like, where's Katie and Will? And I'm just like, what? And I'm like, where are they? He's like, I don't know. And so all of a sudden I'm just yelling like, Katie, oh. Will, I'm like looking around and the lights just turn on. Like it's the club is closing. And I'm like, what time is it? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like three in the morning. So we are searching through the club. I'm trying to find Katie and Will. All these people are just leaving. Everybody's like stumbling out of there, you know. Yeah. We are as well. And the street, there's passing people. And I'm yelling like, Katie, Will. And obviously, that was you know, not going to help anything. And so I'm like, we're really close to where our hotel is. I think. I think we are. So luckily, I have a pretty good, like, memory you know visual memory to think like okay we are close to our hotel like let's go to the hotel so i get to the hotel and almond's like oh you can come back to my flat hang out i'm like okay but i need to go and get like my purse like i'm telling him like i need to go get pajamas like i don't know what's gonna happen and i don't have my room key so i get to the hotel and i'm knocking uh... on the door and i'm like katie I'm like katie well like knocking and Will opens, he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, I need to get into the room. And Katie's like, who is it? Like, people are like, who is it? 
He's like, it's Caroline. I'm like, I need to get my room key. I left my room key. So I get my stuff and I kind of blacked out again. All of a sudden, we didn't go to his flat. I'm, I wake up and I'm on the side of the sidewalk and I'm, I'm we're now wearing the coat. I'm outside of a McDonald's and there's, oh, there's like these homeless people that are like trying to talk to me. The Ahmed and I'm leaning and I'm in this daylight, like this daylight outside. And I'm like, what happened? Like this, I just lost, there was this all this time. And the, his friend is arguing with him because he can't find his keys to his flat. So he lost his keys. Oh That's why God. we didn't go back to the flat. And so I'm like, I need to go back to my hotel. Like I need to go back. Yeah. So he finally, he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, it's like five in the morning. Like I, I gotta go. So I go back to the flat. Again, I guess I didn't realize I had my key or something, so I'm knocking on the door. Like, please <laughs> So Katie's like mad. She opens the door and she's mad. I'm like, I'm like, hey, you know, and they're you know in bed with each other, mm-hmm. and there's only oh. one bed in this dorm. So I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go to the bathroom. And so I'm thinking like, okay, I'm just gonna sleep in the bathroom. Like, that's just what's gonna happen. So I, I army crawl. You know, I say goodbye to Ahmed. I'm like, nice to meet you. Have a great life. Like, bye. Yeah. Um, I army crawl out of the bathroom and I, I grab like whatever I can on the edge of the bed. So like blankets or whatever pillows. I think there was like two extra pillows and I drag them into the bathroom and I'm like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to take a bubble bath. <laughs> and I'm like drunk. Like, this is so stupid of me. I'm like, I'm going to take a bubble bath and relax. Well, I'm so glad. Like, you know, if there's a God out there, thank you. Like, or whatever it was, but I could have drowned. Like I fell asleep in the bathtub. And I woke up and I'm like, the water is like here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, okay, I'm alive. Like, I'm fine. Okay. So I drain the bathtub. I put my club clothes back on and I make a bed in the bathroom. And I'm like laying down. I'm like, I can't sleep in here. Like, I, I can't. The floor is cold. And so I army crawl back out of the bathroom and I fall, I <laughs> make a bed at the, bo- at the bottom, at the end of the bed, end of the bed. So they're asleep in bed. I'm on the floor laying down and next thing I know it's the next morning and Will's leaning over like, what are you doing? Like, you know, I can't do his accent, but he's like, what the fuck are you doing down there? And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I'm sleeping. And he, and I, which I barely slept, you know, now it's like seven in the morning, you know? And he's like, Oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad you're alive. You know, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I didn't go anywhere. I was like, I don't even know what happened. I was like, I woke up outside of McDonald's. I was like, I, I, you know, it was just crazy. It was just craziness. So I think like I would make a short film about that experience. Like I would want to watch what a writer oh, would yeah. do to fill all of those moments that I just, I don't remember. Um, gosh, that's, that's what I, that's what I would do. And who would day. play us? Oh my gosh. Oh, who would play us? What's the... I think I, if this took place, like maybe in the late nineties, which that's the kind of the aesthetic I'm envisioning for the short film. I think I would want, um, like maybe Sandra Bullock or like Julie Roberts to play me. Cause I just like love them. And I don't know who would play Katie, maybe Renee Zellweger. I'm trying to think of somebody that, you know, would, that makes me think of her. Like Renee Zellweger and um, who would play Ahmed? 
I don't know, somebody just like extremely good looking that was just like it's like they live their life by being good looking. That's pretty much what this yeah. guy's whole like MO is like I'm hot and like that's it. Um I don't know who that would be like for the late nineties, early two thousands. If you have any insight or input on that. I'm terrible with celebrity uh, names. I don't know who would play him. I could be like, oh yeah, that guy from that one movie I, I know who you're talking about. But like I am I'm so <laughs> terrible with naming names. <laughs> And maybe like if uh, oh gosh, who's like the quintessential British British guy who plays opposite of Julie Robertson? Oh my gosh, what's his name? He's also in music and lyrics. He's like the quintessential British actor. What is his name? I cannot think. People, Katie's gonna be like, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I can just edit it and you're like, what is it? Boom. Then I'll, uh, you'll have the answer immediately. Yes. If Hugh Grant has blonde hair, that's exactly who Will Strickler is. And Will, if you ever listen to this, like, that's I mean, that's like, you know, he's going to be like, yeah, we're going to be like, no, that's a compliment. <laughs> um, or like maybe if Eddie Redmayne was like in, like in his, tw- maybe he was in his 20s in the late 90s, early 2000s. I don't know how old he is, but like Eddie Redmayne kind of type. That's who Will would be. He's very, I don't know, acted like he was very, you know, put together, you know, I have everything together. And he's a very businessman to us, like early 20s. You know, we were 20 at the time, I think. Um, and you can legally drink in, in England as a 20 year old. So, yeah, I think that's, that story would make a good short film. You know, Night Out in Newcastle would probably be what the title was. And I, I would have Sandra Bullock and or Jessica, Jessica Julia Roberts play me and Renee Zellweger play Katie. Will Strickler be played by like a blonde Hugh Grant or maybe Eddie Redmayne. I, I don't know who would play like Ahmed. Probably like, gosh, I, I just don't know. What's that? Oh man. If any of Alex Pettifer was like this model a- actor. I don't know if you know who that is. Uh-uh. But I would probably have him play Ahmed, but with like a British accent. So, okay. I would watch next, this. Next. I would watch that film for sure. <laughs> That's not even the craziest story, Alex, but from that trip. At one point, I was involved in like a. I hope you don't put this in the podcast, but um, at well, one point, I was involved in like a love. No, it's okay. Okay. But, you know just to think like I, I was involved in like a love triangle with this guy named Jen Sparrow, who is a windsurfing instructor from the Netherlands, which is like so unbelievable, but it was true. And then this, this South Carolina, like waspy guy. And I don't remember his name to be honest that we, these guys that we met, you know, when we were in Lisbon and I had lied to Jen Sparrow because he got creepy and I was like, I don't know, I can't go out to name six, but then I ended up going out and we ended up going out with these group of guys and then we ran into them Ooh. and Jen, Jen was like, oh, you're not sick. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the waspy guy I'm with is like, he was just gone. Like, he's like, who is this? You know, and I'm like, oh, this is my friend. You know, mm. like these, you know, one night flings and then we were in London and Katie thought I was going to get kidnapped because I went off with those guy named Sinjin, who was our, uh, what do you call him? What do you call the bar, uh, bar crawl? Uh, he was our bar crawl host, pub crawl host. And 
I thought that he was from London. Like I thought he was, you know, this exotic guy, but he just ended up being from like Brooklyn, New York or something. Later on, he like told me, he's like, yeah, I was from New York. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And we smoked pot together and it was bad. It was not good pot. And I was like, I'm going to leave. Uh, and like nothing happened with him. He was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I just got to go. Like, I, I got to leave. Yeah. And Katie was like, I'm going to call the police. Like, I'm going to have to call your parents. Tell me you're dead. Like she had a complete freak out. And I was like, apparently, I was like, Katie, it's going to be fine. And she was like, oh, but I ended up coming back and everything was fine. But man, we had some crazy Oh my gosh, Katie and I got lost. She she probably thought I was going to say Ber- the Berlin story where we got lost and the subway shut down and we couldn't go home and we had to walk. And we finally signed a bus. We got a bus and went home, but we ended up, we tried to find the secret club called Watergate. Um, and we couldn't find it. And we ended up at this like dead end that led into a park. And these people were trying to sell us drugs. And we were like, mm, gotta go. <laughs> we like, turned around. Katie was like, oh my God, oh my God. And we were in like the really artsy, I don't know if I would call it like punk goth scene area. And all these people were wearing like giant boots and like, looked, they, they looked at us and they were like, you are not supposed to be here. And we were like, yep, we're not supposed to be here. We're gonna, we're gonna leave. Right. Um, and we smashed onto the subway to get the underground to get there. And I'm talking smash. Like, have you seen those videos of like people in Japan where they like push onto the underground? And maybe it's like, you know what I'm talking about where they just really push in there? That's yeah. how it was. Like, that's how it was in Berlin in the night scene. Like, you have to push into these underground trains to get to where you're going. And we were smashed up against the window. And these big dudes were trying to get us to go to this club with them. And they were sweaty and drunk. And they were like, you know, where are you? I can't do a German accent, but they were like, where are you going? We are like, oh, we're just going places. Like, we didn't want to tell them, like, we're yeah. going to Watergate. And, or trying to. And they were like, you have to come to, come with us. Do you love it? We were like, no. Mm. And they were like, oh, yeah, you come. And they're like, literally, like, breathing on our faces. Like, oh, my gosh. We were like, we're freaking out. We are like, we are not meant for this. Like, we, we I cannot. You know, we, we had a couple moments where we panicked with each other. Katie panicked and I'm like, we're fine. We're, we're going to be fine. And we had a huge fight at the train station. I can't remember if it was in Berlin. And I was just like, I want to go home. And Katie's like, ah, screaming at me. And then we were like, we're sorry. We, we forgive each other. <laughs> so when you're, when you spend six weeks with each other, you really learn a lot about, <laughs> you know, what your strengths and weaknesses are in, in traveling. So. Oh, I'm sure. Had, yeah. had you and Katie ever traveled together before that? Or was that like your first oh, experience God. spending that much time to, with each other like that? That was our first major... I mean, that was the first time out of the country for me. I think mm-hmm. Katie had gone to other countries before. Yeah, she definitely had. I don't know where. But that was my first trip out of the country, my first international trip. So it helped me that she had been there before. But I think that was the longest both of us had traveled together and traveled like at all. Um, before that I had made trips, I think to see her in Pittsburgh, you know, we, we had done trips like that. Um, but we hadn't like really traveled together now. So that was a really interesting experience. And at that time we had been roommates. That was our sophomore year in college. No, no, no. That was our junior year in college, and we had been roommates for two years at that point. So, like, you know, I felt comfortable traveling with her, and, and we had a game plan, and everything was planned out to a T. And her grandmother was gracious enough to, you know, help us along the way. 
um, financially. And so it was a really fun, it was just, oh my gosh, it's fun and crazy and wild. And I don't know how our livers survived it at all. (laughs) I don't, I don't understand. (laughs) Like we were pretty much drunk every day, not every day, but we were drunk every night and, and there's no way ever I could drink like that again, ever. I, I, I don't even think we drank like that when we got back. We were like, like everybody questions us, like, how did you, how did you not get taken? Like, I think somebody at my birthday party recently, they were like, on a scale of one to 10, like how, like what level of taken were you? And I'm like, you know, from the movie, and we were like, oh. we were like seven, eight, like we definitely could have just been, especially when we like roamed to the, try to get wine when we were in Paris, we, tried to go get wine from some shop. We're like, is any place still open? And luckily the guy at the counter, you know, was so cool in English and he was from America, but he was raised in Paris. And he was like, yeah, you just go down this way and you know, to the left and it's pouring rain. I don't have a raincoat. Katie has a rain jacket, but she was okay. But I was just wet. I don't care. I was drunk. Yeah. And we make it there and people are like, you know, trying to stop us to like sell drugs to us in the middle of the night. And yeah. we look up and there's the Moulin Rouge. And we're like, there's the Moulin Rouge. That's cool. You know? And like anybody could have just been like, Hey, you know, and grabbed our arm and taken us away. But thankfully I think, you know, we did have enough street smarts to like know who to talk to and yeah. who not to talk to. So yeah, there has been just some really crazy movie moments. I could go on forever about it. Like we were in Paris and we stopped at the um, Musée d'Orsay, which is a museum that used to be in an old train, used to be an old train station. Cool. And I, it was like a movie moment where you back into somebody and me and this guy backed into each other. And when we turned around and he was like, I think his name was like Benjamin or something, you know, and he had a pinky ring and you know, he was like, um, he was pretty short, but like, he was very confident and his chest puffed out and he was trying to get us to meet him at these clubs and he knew, he knew celebrities and like, was really trying to tell us like, Oh, you know, and at the time I didn't have a Facebook, I didn't have social media. And he was like, you don't have no Facebook? I was like, no. Um, and I was like, I can give you my email. <laughs> and he was like, email? What? And so I mean, we never did meet up with him that night because I never did get an email from him. But like that moment could have been, you know, a movie moment. Or there was this guy that stopped me and asked me if I was a ballerina when we were in that same museum. And he's like, oh, your neck and your arm. And then he asked me to dance. I was like, no, like, I don't want to dance with it. We're in the museum. You know, just things like that were just so crazy. Or when we were in Amsterdam and, you know, it was, we really like had to talk ourselves into like going into the, the coffee shop. Yeah. And we like prepped ourselves like, okay, what are we going to do? And like, go to the counter and like tell them that, you know, we want a pre-roll joint. Like we don't, we don't want to pick out, we don't want to have to roll a joint in the part. Like we don't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, moments like that where you're taught where we immediately walk to the bathroom and we're having like a meeting like okay yes yes okay we're gonna leave this bathroom we're not gonna look like idiots we're gonna go up to the counter just ask the pre-roll we're gonna go to vondel park and we're gonna experience this and, you know the whole time after we got the the pre-roll you know joint which was so cheap we were so like we still felt like we were like you know this is right like this is yeah. illegal like you know we're walking back to the park like Okay, here we go. We're gonna make it. Don't nobody look at us like we're we're normal. We're fine. We're not doing anything wrong, which we're wearing. But that was an experience in and of itself. Man, it's just crazy. 
And when we were in Amsterdam, we took this, we took this canal cruise and it ended up being a romantic one in a way. And so it was all these couples and then it was like oh. Katie and I, and then we sat across from each other at this booth and we thought like, okay, this is going to be our booth on this canal boat. Um, but then this couple, like it started filling up and then this couple who was from Texas, um, so big personalities, they sit down with on the, at our booth. And so Katie and I are sitting across each other. We're stoned, like beyond belief. And this big personality, oh my gosh, I can't even emphasize big personalities enough from tech texting couple sits down, middle-aged, um, like, hey, oh, how you doing? Like, talk to us. And I'm like, oh, please don't talk to me. Like, and the lady can't get her earpiece to work for the tour. And so she's like, what did they say? What did I'm like, oh my gosh. And they're like talking to me and Katie's looking at me like, Caroline, answer their question. Like, yeah. and I can't, I'm just like, oh, you know, my mind's in a million places and they're asking us what we do, you know, what we take and take classes in school, what classes we take in college. And, um, you know, I didn't understand the lady's question. I'm looking at her and Katie's like, you are an art student, <laughs> right? And I'm like, yes, I am an art student, <laughs> you know? trying to get through this canal cruise and we're supposed to go through like the red light district and we didn't go through it they just drove past like the canal like the canal part and we're like oh there it is and then it was just bye so that was interesting just yeah or maybe the maybe the short film would be our whole trip i don't know i think i'm gonna stick with a night in newcastle i know this we totally like derailed this whole thing but i can just go on forever about that trip because it was just it was a very movie like experience it's an amazing like all of it yeah yeah oh it's crazy okay Where, should i watch the next one okay oh, before moving on i um i want to go to europe pretty badly especially after being locked up in america for the last four years uh and especially the last year and uh i want to know if you had any advice for anybody like myself considering taking an extended trip do lots of pre-planning like where you're gonna stay but maybe don't pre-plan so much about where you want to go like maybe write down like the top things you want to see but also give yourself room to explore katie and i pre-planned a lot like we definitely had daily you know things we wanted to see but i think that we should have maybe taken, <clears throat> excuse me, taken a day to just like be a local. I wish that we would have done that. Um, I kind of wish we maybe wouldn't have gone to so many places in a short amount of time. Like maybe we would have spent, cause we only spent like two to three days in each place. And so it was a lot, it was a lot to take in all at once. So maybe like cut it down um, and spend like at least you know, maybe five days in each place. Um, really study up on like what's kind of the cultural norm there. So you don't feel like you're stepping into complete like unknown. When we were in Portugal, so, so sparkling water was like a whole new thing to me. I was not a seltzer person and I didn't realize that it was something that you offer, like it was like offered to you when you would go out to eat. And um, we were in Portugal 
And we obviously don't know any Portuguese, but we sat down at the table and the guy comes up and he's like kind of aggressive. I mean, they were busy and he was looked at me and he's like, gas or no gas? And I'm like, what? I like, what? I didn't, I didn't realize it was English. Like I thought that he was, I don't know. And Katie's like looking at me like, Caroline. And I'm like, and he's like, gas or no gas? Gas or no gas? And he's like yelling at me. And I was like, I don't know what he's asking me. And I was like trying not to be rude. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, water? And I, and I did it. And then, and then I was like thinking like, agua. I'm like, is it Spanish? Like, I don't know. I was like, agua. Like, and, sh- and he was like, flat, flat. And I'm like, oh, yes. I was like, what? Like, and I realized he was asking me if I wanted like seltzer water or like plain, you know, not, you know, flat water. Yeah. He was asking me if I wanted gas or no gas in my water. And I, I had no, I just felt like so like mortified. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I just made myself look like a complete ass. So prepare yourself for, you know, maybe all possible experiences. Um, or like when we were in Paris and we went to Versailles and like we couldn't afford to go in. So we just like took pictures on the outside gate and we were so tired and cranky and hungry. We stopped at this little cafe and everything was in French. And like, I just wanted like a sandwich with, you know, meat and cheese on it or something. And I ordered, <laughs> I, what I thought ordered was like a meat and cheese baguette thing. And it was like a baguette with like a little bit of prosciutto on it and butter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it set me off, but I just like lost it. I was like crying. And I was like, this is just has butter on it. And Katie's like, well, that's what you ordered. I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just want to go home. Aww. So just, you know, maybe study the language a little bit, prepare yourself on what to order when you go places, um, just to help your own like self-esteem. Sure. Um, comfortable shoes, make sure you wear comfortable shoes. Um, we did, we did pack light. So that's one thing I do recommend pack light because you can always stop and wash your clothes depending on how long you're gone. Um, I'm going to try my headphones again. So pack light. Uh, yeah, I think that's what, I think that's, that's the advice that I have. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Okay. Next video. Okay. Hey, Carolyn. My question for you is, what piece of art do you wish that you were the original creator of? That's such a that is such a hard question. And this, I don't know if this is going to be controversial because I know recently. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, okay. I can hear you. Can um, you hear me? Recently, this. Art, this artist has been controversial because he trademarked, uh, or not not trademarked, he copyrighted the Blackest Black. Have you heard of this? Have you heard of Anish Kapoor? No. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Um, so Anish Kapoor is this, I believe he's from London, London-based artist, or at least he lives there now. Uh, I don't think he's from London, but um, he does a lot of conceptual sculptures, um and 
he's been controversial in the aspect where he did copyright the blackest black color and nobody else can use it while this I, I don't know the other guy's name but he created another blackest black and basically it says on the bottle that I think it's called black 2.0 um that Anish Kapoor like anybody can buy this except for Anish Kapoor so I thought that was really funny I still really respect Anish Kapoor a lot do I kind of think he's a little pretentious yes but he is one of the most intel like I studied him for um one of my classes at Capitol and gosh he's so fascinating just the way that he thinks you're like why would anybody like where are you pulling this from so and his website if you ever get a chance to go to his website do it because it is the way that it's formatted is so like oh my gosh I don't even know how you even thought of that but anyway he has this piece called um Leviathan and it's a PVC blow up I guess you would call it um of this like monster like thing pretty basic shape it's like round he put it inside of the Grand Palais which is in Paris he wanted people to basically feel small they, he wanted to under he wanted to wanted people to see how small they truly are compared to some of the greatest what is the great biggest thing that he could create and so he created this pvc blow up inside of the grand play which in its in and of itself the grand play is massive um and I, I wish that i would have thought of that like all of his works are all about how you react to it it's all about interaction or how something interacts with its environment. Yeah. Like he does a lot of sculptures with sounds um, and he creates these like sound tunnels that are basically horns that he puts inside of hills. And so when the wind goes through it, it creates sound. Um, he does a lot of things with mirrors and he'll, he'll change the color of the mirror. So it's like pure red or um, pure blue and he'll put it against the sky or um, against a tree line and I don't know it's just so fascinating to me how he's come up with these ideas he also did this one where he put I think it was wax but it was red this giant block of red wax and he put it on a track and the track went through I can't remember which museum it was I think it was a national gallery actually I could be wrong in London. Um, but he put it on a track and it started out as a square block. I'm talking, this thing is like massive. Yeah. And it went through the hallways and the arch openings and it slowly molded to the opening. So it ended up being curved and it just kept going and going. And it, was just, and it just like, why? You know, you first you think why? And people are like, why would you ever do that? But then you think about like, okay, how is, how is that wax? You know, how was it shaped before? Why is it shaped like this now? What does this symbolize to us? In, you know, how does this relate to us as people? You know, we're impacted by our environment, how we change shape. Um, just, I don't know. He's such a bizarro guy. And I, I think there's a couple pieces by him that I wish that I would have created just to be like, I would be, I would be as pretentious as he was if I had created the pieces that he has. Like, I give him massive sure respect. Is. And that may be controversial. People are going to be like, he's kind of a jerk, whatever. I don't care. But, you know, I, I, I respect him so much. I think another person that I, I wish that I would have created that, um, Marina Abramovic, Abramovic, Abramovic. She's a performance artist. 
and I took a class at Capitol um, Experimental Theater. One of my favorite classes. I never thought that I would ever get into something like that or be wanting, you know, wanting to act or anything. But I ended up being really good at it, and surprisingly. And I studied her, and um, man, some of the pieces that she did, the you know, physical art form that she performed was so fascinating. And some of the pieces I, I wish that I would have thought of. She did one with her partner. Um, at the time, uh, Ule, Uli, can't remember his last name, but they both had, um, she was holding, I can't remember if he was holding the bow and she was holding the arrow, but they were facing each other. And I believe she had the bow. I don't remember, there we go. But she had the bow and the arrow and she's pulling one way with her body weight. Okay, so yeah. she's pulling it. And he's holding the other end of the bow and it's stretching, okay, and with their body weight. So they're kind of, you know, at an angle where if if one of them was to let go, the arrow would have shot shot the person. Oh. I can't remember oh. which which way it was pointing, but it was I think it was kind of uh, I can't remember the exact, you know, concept of it, but about mutual trust and how easily we can hurt each other and how much strain you know, can cause pain or prevent pain, I guess, in that aspect, you know, so they're, and I think, I can't remember how long they held it, but it was a very long time. That's all about performance art is basically how far can you push the limit? And I think people think that's so like out there, like why would anybody do that? But that's, that's part of the art. Like, it's not something that you're just going to paint and let sit. Like it's something that you're going to experience and people are going to experience. Um, yeah, if you ever get a chance to watch the documentary on one of her final performances called The Artist is Present, I recommend it. So it's just so fascinating. It's a whole nother level of art that I just am amazed even exists. Is it streaming? It's amazing. I think it's I think it is. It might still be on Amazon Prime. Um at one point it was on um HBO, I think, or Netflix. But it's so fascinating. James Franco is like a huge fan of hers. Um, she was honored by the MoMA, and she had all of these models like recreate her performance art um, pieces live. And I can't remember how long her um, showcase was, but she did a performance art piece called "The Artist is the Artist is Present," and she sat at a table in the MoMA and she invited people to sit with her and just have a moment of absolute attention given to them. So they didn't speak or anything. And she would sit there all day long. They had a hole mm -hmm. cut in the chair where she would use the restroom. Whoa. Um, yeah. Like it was, I'm talking, this woman like commits to her art. Like yeah. it's, she is insane. And what's hilarious is that um, <laughs> the house I work in a uh, condo building and one of the housekeepers, um called her the devil but she's like Whoa. like demented because because she's so like intense and the things that she's done you know lilo is like you know only the devil would do those things i mean she's a very catholic you know roman catholic yeah. woman and i was just like yeah i mean i, I didn't you know i didn't want to totally respect her. <laughs> yeah but she was like so like if i said something like and she was like yeah that woman is demented she's demented and i'm like oh okay but yeah, so to answer the question, I wish that 
I would have created Leviathan because I just think that's so bizarro and an experience that I wish that I created so other people could experience. Sure. And maybe I wish that I could have been Marina Bomovic, I guess, in a sense, um, just because of how she was so authentically herself. Like she just did not care what other people thought and her career spanned decades. I mean, I think she's still creating now. She may not be as present, um, ironically, but she, oh my gosh, she's definitely a very passionate person. And and I wish that even though I, I don't create as much as I used to when it comes to painting and stuff, I mean, I still do photography here and there, but I wish that I had the same type of passion as her and like just the, the, the vulnerability to just do what I want like, without thinking about what people are going to say about me or whatever. I really admire her for that a lot. Yeah. I, um, man, the last thing you just said, I, the whole time I had something else I was going to mention, but like being able to, there's a lot of things that, like in the different art forms that I have interest in creating. Um, gosh, just having the, the bravery to just give it a shot and see what that looks like and like not really worry about whatever people think. Um, it's crazy how that's admired by so many different people, but yet nobody wants to like lay down the cards and give that a shot and I, I, I fall into it every now and then I try like flexing out of that a little bit but I'm still very reserved with the kind of things that I release so yeah I, I'm with you on that I definitely admire that kind of thing I wish it wasn't so hard but uh, and it's also, interesting go ahead also I it's fun speaking with you because um, a lot of people this is going to sound weird the way I say it, but I'm going to say it. Uh, a lot of people, when you say that you're into art, like, it's like, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I like looking at it or whatever. But when I talk to you, I can tell that you're, like, familiar with the community, who's doing it now and who used to. And, like, um, also, you when you think art, you don't just think paintings or, like, drawings. You also think of 3D, like, sculptural, like, all every facet of it. Uh, you definitely did well at, at capital and it seems the what you learned there has uh sticked around I, I i admire your knowledge of modern and fine arts oh thank you so much yeah i definitely i wanted what well, my focus was what i wanted it to be is I, I wanted to go into conceptual and contemporary art i wanted to go into gallery curation and that was like a huge goal of mine and it's not that it's not a goal anymore but my my focus has changed um and i think in a way i, I wanted to do that because i i thought that like that's how i wanted to be represented and i wanted mm -hmm. to do this like you know artsy fartsy but serious you know person and that's just not me um yeah and yeah. you know i don't i'm gonna be honest like i forgive me dr tellier she probably will never hear this and she was an art history professor but like i can't tell you a lot of you know specific art history things when it, dating back to you know bc you know i just but when it comes to conceptual and modern art there's certain things that just like 
stuck with me. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is about it. It's just, I think it's the, the passion that I studied that these people were, you know, how they came up with these concepts. I'm like, that's amazing. You know, the depth of somebody's mind or what, you know, what gave them cues to even begin thinking about that. That's what I was so fascinated with. There was a, I worked at, I interned at Roy G. Biv Art Gallery in downtown Columbus. I don't even know if it's still there anymore. But um, it was a gallery for emerging artists. And a lot of it was kind of out there, conceptual, modern. And there was a girl, oh gosh, I wish I could remember her name. I feel bad that I don't remember her name. But she was a video visual artist. Or, I can't remember the exact thing, but she would set up cameras in places and just film yeah. like time lapses kind of thing. And that was her art. And she would project, she brought the pieces. We featured her one month and she projected the videos and that's all it was. And people can't buy these things. You know, they can't, she's not making money off of them. It was just because she wanted to do that. Like this was her idea and she wanted to express it. And that like fascinated me. Like it wasn't about being recognized it wasn't about being having all the money or sell you know for commercial purposes it was just she wanted to do this and I'll never forget one of the videos was she set up a camera pointed towards a abandoned like Big Bear or Kroger mm-hmm. Meyer, some type of shop some type of grocery store and it was at the ground it was pointed towards the front and I think she set it up there for a couple of days you know she would take it out there at the beginning of the day and then take it down so it's a date over a week or so. And she filmed, there was a abandoned, there was like a cupcake or something on the ground and it was smashed, you know, you know, where you see in a parking lot. It was in a parking lot and a bird came down. I don't know if it was, I don't know what. And so you see the bird just eating the cake or eating the food. And that was fascinating to me. And so I'm just sitting there watching it. And then you see this mom and daughter and the daughter's trying to learn how to drive. And so you see the mom and daughter driving and the mom's yelling, you know, she gets out of the car and she's yelling, she's mad. And, yeah. you know, it was just such, you know, you see nature in all aspects of what it is, human, you know, animal. Um, she also had one where it was set up at Easton, I think. And it was like overnight. So you, you would hear the, the music to start to play outside and the lights would turn on and um, people want, you know, scary people walking by and, that was just so fascinating to me that this girl was fascinated by this. Like she yeah. wanted, she wanted to show this concept. That was right. so fascinating to me. And there was another one where this guy, excuse me, it was a woman and she built, there was a, a, a front window and that faced the street, you know, uh, storefront or window front. I, don't know, I can't remember what it's called. And she was reciting something. I think it was spoken word. Gosh, I could be really wrong, but I, I'm trying to remember this correctly. And she was reciting something and she's building a wall between her. So she's in the storefront and she's building a wall as she's like doing the spoken word and she's, you know, drilling and hammering and stuff. And until so we can't see her anymore, like she's yeah. completely enclosed herself into the storefront. And that was so fascinating to yeah. me. It's just, you know, that's stuff that you can't buy. It's not something that you know, like I said before, you can't, you're not going to sell that for somebody to display in their home. Like this is an expression that somebody needed to get out or, or they wanted people to see and experience in that moment. And that's just, that's so fascinating. I've just always been fascinated by that. Um, 
I yeah, I don't even why. remember what you originally asked me or what you're talking That's totally fine. I've, um, I think I was talking, the, the original point you were making is like, you don't know, like, all the dates and all the famous, like, every single old thing back to the BC times as you said about art, but, um, you were interested in the muse of modern artists and, like, how they executed with what they were of what they're doing and I, I agree i think that's fascinating are there any upcoming artists that you are particularly interested in now oh man there is an artist i've followed for a really long time um let me see if i can find i can't pronounce his last name correctly I'm going to feel really bad. Just like you, you were saying with like movie actors, sometimes when it comes to art, I'm like, yes, I know that. But then you can't like think of, um, it seems Winston, um, Chimileski, Chimilinski. Now he does painting. Um, but I've also, I think I believe I've seen him do a couple sculptures, but his is very fluid, almost abstract art where he kind of intermixes, um, realism but with like blurred faces and i'm not totally not describing this correctly for people to get a good visual i'll like put his photos on top of the interview and they it, for anybody who's watching on youtube you're probably looking at them right now but yeah i'll i'll help you out with that don't worry yeah no i see it um like here's some of the oh that works yeah so I'm just so fascinated by him. Um, he also does like landscapes. It's just a mix, a mix of like where you can almost see like, okay, yeah, like that's, that's the, you know, that's the horizon line. But also you're like, is it like, is it the edge of a table? Like you, you question so much about what you're seeing. There's another, um, oh gosh. There's another guy named Rico White um, that I love. It's out of the UK. And he does a lot of figure um, painting, but it's almost unfinished. Yeah. And you're like, is it done? You're like, I don't know. Ooh. And okay. when you look at it closely, like you can see that it's, you know, human figures. But if you were to step away, it's almost as if the shape itself is something else. And I think that's fascinating when you can see so many different things in a painting. I think that that's that's the part of conceptual and contemporary art I really like, where each person, when presented with the art, sees something different. Um, maybe it's based on your own perspective, or you know the way you're feeling in the moment. Um, yeah, and I'm also I can this, I consider this an art form, obviously too. But I'm so into drag, and I think that's mm -hmm. another art form that that. I don't want to say it's underappreciated because there's so many people that appreciate that. But I think in the greater spectrum of the art world, people don't appreciate drag as much for being an artistic expression and being seen as such. But like the way they paint their face and how they coordinate it with the outfits that they wear um, and how they entertain all in one is performance art. Like that, it's just what it is. Yeah. And like some people actually sing, a lot of people just lip sync. Um, so I've been following so many drag artists. I love RuPaul's Drag Race. 
but I follow so many drag artists and some do like one woman shows where it's like an emotional, you know, experience, but some of them just do it for entertainment aspects. But I love that. Like, oh my gosh. And there's one, um, I think she's out of Australia. I believe she definitely is, but her name's Artiste. And I like love her. She's so creative and like, oh my gosh, the outfits that she creates. Also Juno Birch, if you ever get a chance to look up her, she is an amazing drag artist. Um, and her whole persona is performance art in and of itself. It's insane. She is a trans woman. Um, and she paints, she's an alien. Like she says that she's an alien that fell to the earth, like in the 1960s. And she dresses like a 1960s housewife and she wears these rubber gloves that have the nails painted on. And Vogue did a, a feature on her where they went to the grocery store with her and she's, you know, walking around like she's, you know, trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, you can definitely tell that she's so, you know, out of place in her persona that it, it, it makes it a performance. And it's, I don't know, it's, she's amazing. I just, so many things fascinate me. I, I could, yeah. you know, go on, but. Yeah. I love it. I love, I love seeing you uh express your interest i mean any anytime anybody talks about anything that they they're really passionate about it's i i also consider myself a good listener and i think one of the reasons i like doing it so much is just seeing the genuine energy and like as you're talking about all these other things are like snapping like oh which reminds me of this and all that and like (laughs) not only that then you're trying to articulate articulate how it makes you feel which is always gymnastics in its own way and yeah, I, I'm I'm pleased with all this. This is great. Um, oh, I'm so happy. You are a very good listener, Alex. Um, thank you. Yeah. Are you? Do you see yourself as a art person? Like, are you following any artists or? I. No, I think of myself as a art. I think I have an eye for art. But I'm I would not, agree. Thank you. I no. don't. I'm not up on names. I'm not. I don't create as actively as a person that would describe themselves as an artist would say they would, even though I still feel like I could sit down and make something worth something. Um, but I guess you can consider me a admirer I, I at least appreciate fine art and i think I, I know fine art when i see it and this is just my only chance in the world i'll be able to brag about my little uh moma calendar that i have on my wall oh, i love that thank you uh, so maybe a little bit maybe a little bit but uh but i will say i've i there's a tutorial that was created by one of my favorite animators animation is one of is a type of art form that i'm really fascinated by and i plan on i've watched this guy's videos for over a year he's just he's just just little silly cartoons um called worthy kids and he put out a tutorial recently and that i plan on trying out and I'm oh, cool. legitimately excited about doing that because
because I watched the whole thing already and um, I have like the digital art pad to do it uh, oh, Nicole Tice lent to me and um, yeah shout yeah, out to him to he does such it. cool art huh I, lo I love Jordan's like little sketch and I look forward to seeing his stuff on Instagram I don't know if he like knows that you know I appreciate that I don't probably not but um why would he I don't know but I do I really look forward to his sketches like his I don't know what I don't know what he would describe them as doodle you know doodles I guess I don't know I just think they're so funny and he mixes like humor with I don't know if you would call it humility but there there's a there's an aspect to it that's really raw too where it's just you can tell that he just was like this is an idea and there's, like there's no editing to it yeah. there's no maybe he does have a plan planning process but like you don't you can't tell that and that's what makes it so i don't know admirable to me i guess i would say i love that i love his stuff so if you see him tell him i'm i am absolutely obsessed i'll make sure to let him know he'll love that um I am conscious of the amount of time I've taken from you or that we've shared together. And I don't know how much I have like a, like two more questions that That's I definitely fine. want Let's to ask shoot. you, but okay. As you're probably aware, this month begins women's history month. And I wanted to know, well, first how you, how, what that means to you. Oh God. I think it's overwhelming in a sense. Um, a being a woman is tough. I, I, yes. I think that workplace, you know, when we're bored, it's like here's how you got to be, and here's what your role is, and here's what you're supposed to do. And some people break out of that, and some people don't. And there's all these factors that you know can mold you, your religion, your culture, your family, your you know, personal brain, like what's, you know, mental illness, there's so many things, physical ailments that affect it. Same, I mean, same thing with men, but we're focusing on women here, I guess. But, um, it's give it to you. Women also empowering. Women. Yeah, it's overwhelming. It's empowering. It's, gosh, there's so, so many aspects of being in a woman. And, when you grow up and you see amazing women around you, you know, succeeding, but also failing, um, maybe sometimes embarrassing themselves or maybe what it be, what it is to be a woman, you learn so much about, I guess, what it is to be a woman. Um, so Women's History Month, I think it's time for us, you know, it's time set aside for us to focus on women's role in history and, um, you know, the cultural aspects in art, in music, in politics, in, gosh, everything. And because I, I think that, you know, we're not aware all the time how much men have done, you know, we're just like, you know, Benjamin Franklin, you know, 
created electricity or that's probably so wrong. Gosh, don't, I really hope you don't put this in the pocket. You would be like, hey, that's so stupid. Um, but, you know, you don't really, you look back and you're like, oh yeah, he was a man. Like you don't really think about those things. And so I, I, at least I did it until later on, you're like, wow, a lot of men did a lot of things. And then you're like, and women did what? And then you start looking into it and you're like, oh, you know, Marie Curie. And, you know, I did a, a what was it, Clara Barton. Um, she was a, an aide. I think she helped do American Red Cross. Could be getting wrong. But I did a project on her, on a project. I think that was third or fourth grade. So that was like when it really clicked with me. That I was like, yeah, like women are important and we did important things. And, um, Betsy Ross, you know, selling the flag, you know, that was like, yeah. yeah, like we, we did our part. Um, and all of that's really overwhelming, I think, to look back on. And you're like, we should have done more. Like, why aren't women the folk? You know, why weren't we the, the quote unquote men? Like, why weren't we the men? And, yeah. So it's interesting to, to look back and, and study why those things that, you know, why society is the way that it is and why men are, men were leading and why women weren't and why soon I mean I think women are leading now I think and not that like we're completely equal but I think that like there's a recognition there now that hasn't been there before and you know now we have a women vice president and like no matter what people's politics are like that's that's freaking crazy like that's amazing to me like you know I just think that opens the doors for anybody a Republican woman a, a libertarian woman and or you know whatever like that opens so a huge door, not so many doors, but the biggest door I think that there has been for a long time is now open and hopefully will not be closed. Like, I, I really hope that the future and little girls can look up and be like, wow, you know, there's a, there's a woman in the White House and she's not the president's wife. Like, she, she has a role. Like, she, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, it's emotional. Yeah. It's overwhelming and emotional. If you could invite three you know what I'll, I'll say living or not if you could invite three women of any time of history to uh, have a conversation with you in your living room who would they be oh man we can narrow it to living I want to get I wanted to give you the options but oh it's okay it's okay uh, okay um this is so random. This is like the first thing that popped in my head. Sacagawea. I think like I would want to sit down and talk to Sacagawea and just be like, so what happened? Like Lewis and Clark, like what was your journey like? Like, you know, were they with each other? Like, I want to know about that experience. Sacagawea. Um, living. You know, go back, going back to like talking about Oprah Winfrey. I think I want to sit down with Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. You know, that might be cliche, but. You know, I do. I, I want to sit down with her because her story is remarkable. Like, so inspiring. Um, third. This might, this, I don't know. I think I never got to meet my great grandmother, mm-hmm. <laughs> Grandma Lowe. So I think I'd want to sit with her and talk to her because she had. 12 or 13 children. Nah, that could be wrong. I'm sorry, aunts and uncles. Um, she had a lot of children and I and she lived a very rough life. And I, I think I'd want to talk to her about how she made it through 
and what she would think about her legacy today. Um, yeah, I, I think I would, uh, yeah, I think I would sit down and talk with her about that. Um, she definitely did not have 12 children. She had like 10, uh, I really believe that was proportion, but she had a lot of kids and most of them women. She, all of them were girls. Now I think back and I think it was nine and she had a son who, who drowned tragically very young because he did not know how to swim. And that was the only son that she had. And my nan had siblings that were like twice her age, you know, when she was in her teens. Um, so yeah, I would want to sit down with my grandma Low. I'd want to sit down with Dr. Julia just to know what that experience was like. And what was the other person I said? Uh, Sarah oh, Oprah Winfrey. Oh. I'd want to sit down with Oprah Winfrey just to be like, what's it like? You know? And also, she was a person that she was so pressured by society to marry her long term boyfriend. And she never did. And she never did. And I, I want to know, not that like I was pressured, you know, to go back to like the marriage conversation, not that I was pressured into really getting married, but like it's interesting that she was just like, no, like I'm not interested in that. I don't need to be married. I can't remember what his name is, Diamond or whatever his name was, uh, but <laughs> it's okay. Against but, um, names, I'm... Uh, <laughs> so, but, I, yeah, I, that's who I would talk to. I think they'd be delighted to talk with you. I know I was, but seriously, oh, as, uh, this has been, this has been a lot of fun.